From the fabulous WSUM Madison Studios, it's Do It Live, hosted by the Do It Geeks. Today's topic is athletics and technology, how computers can really bring fans and athletes together on and off the field. Joining us from UW Athletics, Kevin Plunder, along with our regular geeks, Ty Christian, Teresa Saldana, and Adam Wiesenfarn. And now, broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and streaming worldwide on WSUM.org, please help me welcome my co-host, Ty Christian. It's that time again. Time to do it live. Do it like you mean it. On WSUM 91.7 FM, Madison. And hi, how's it going, Adam? It's going awesome, Ty. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty darn good. And we're going to talk tech today, tenaciously, timidly. For about an hour. For about an hour. You're I'd... ruining my alliteration is what you're doing. I'm sorry. Did you think of something? Oh. You could say, like, for a time? That's a T word. Yeah, come on, Adam. How about Teresa? Teresa's here, too. Teresa She's a T word. a T word. I'm a T word. <laughs> How you doing, Teresa? I'm doing great. Wait, no, terrific? Oh! <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. Right. Anyway. <laughs> today's today. word is T. <laughs> Wait, that's not a word. <laughs> today's letter is T. You're lucky that T is a word. Uh, I guess oh, it is. It is as you, you are lucky, yeah. sir. Very good. Oh, man. Yeah, so we're here to talk about uh, athletics and all of the technology that's used at sporting events. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to touch back rundown. Sports. Yeah. As you can tell, Ty gets a little riled up about... Oh my god, I can't wait to talk about statistics and how many touchbacks somebody got out of... Oh, that's great. I need some energy drinks. <laughs> Actually, I know nothing about sports. <laughs> well, well, I know, you know a little s- bit about I mean, you know, the Denver Broncos are my favorite squadron. <laughs> so... <laughs> is that right? Is that right? I, I, I don't think know, that's right. I don't know. <laughs> maybe... I don't know if between the three of us we could we could pull off a... You know what? You know what? I'd like to see. I'd like to see all three of us trying to throw a football. I think that would just be I, hilarious. I, mean, I can talk about hockey because I am partially Canadian. Oh, so. and we're sorry about oh. that. Oh, very well, sorry. You know, you're a ni- He's a nice guy though, and I think it's genetic. Anyway, we got Kevin. We got John, who are going to come in here from athletics, and they're going to tell us a, a whole bunch of stuff about how technology has pervaded the uh, college sports atmosphere and all of the great stuff that's going on over at the Cole Center and and Camp Randall, mm-hmm. and all the other sporting places that are on campus, too. But we like to start off with the news. It's the news with Teresa Saldana. Thanks, Multiple Ty. Emmy Award-winning anchor, <laughs> Teresa Saldana. So what's going on in tech okay, news this Okay, so week, uh, the, the first thing we're going to talk about, uh, is I thought this was really exciting, is that uh, there, uh, apparently it says team engineers here, it doesn't say where, but uh, have come up with something called EES, which is a epidermal electronic system. So it's basically an electronic circuit that's mounted on your skin that oh moves God. with you and can uh, take input from the movements of your body. Oh. Hey, Teresa. Your epidermis is showing. <laughs> Dude, that's a little creepy. <laughs> hey, oh. you remember when you did that as a kid? Your epidermis, nobody knew what it was. But that that technology is really 
cool. So like I could have my my tattoos could move is what you're saying. Well, well, well I'm not sure if we're we're quite at tattoos yet, but you know, instead of this idea of implanting like uh, you know, a hard chip into your wrist or mm-hmm. something like that, instead it's a, you know, something that can flex and move with you. Mm. And, and it's, it's something that's sort of, um, it's kind of like a temporary tattoo. It, it gets sort of affixed onto your skin. Correct. And it's just a, a different way to have a sensor or to have feedback about what's going on with your body. And I also saw that you could put it underneath a temporary tattoo and it could be used for spying things. Overt operations. Dun, dun, dun. So now all of the videos or all of the movies that are set theoretically in the future where they're like prying a chip out of their body and they're like, oh my God, I've been tracked this whole time. That's going to be out of date because <laughs> right. yeah. it's more like a it's more like a stick and peel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this could have really neat, uh, certainly implications in the medical industry for, um, you know, being able to monitor your sleep patterns or your activity um, so that they can, you doctors can better treat you for different kinds of symptoms, for different kinds of uh, diseases. Yeah. Doctor, what's Con- this patch for? Conditions. If this patch turns blue, you're dead. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> probably, probably more advanced than that. Or so <laughs> even even in a uh, training scenario, they could measure your heart rates per minute um, and see if you're training too hard or you're having any kind of issues. Yeah, and Ty was talking a little earlier about maybe pills too. Yeah, I saw. I can't remember where I saw this. It might have been. It might have been the Super Bowl. Which I was watching just for the commercials because I'm not a sports guy. Again, I've just I got to throw that out there just to get my geek cred um, on here. But but uh, they had a like a pill that a dude would swallow, and it was basically a, a thermometer, mm. and it would uh, a wireless thermometer. And then they were they were saying like you know John Madden was like you know this, this is how in in cold technology you know people can't catch the ball. It's very very difficult. So they got to put them in the thing, and so they basically put them in a freezer, and they had them like catch a ball for a while and then they put him in like a hot sun and have him catch a ball and then they mm-hmm. they're showing how like you know the body temperature went down the reaction time went down and the body temperature went up and the reaction time went up and until he got to a certain threshold and it was all very interesting i don't think john madden would appreciate that impression probably not <laughs> go over here see this x that's the guy went through bam tough acting and acting <laughs> Oh, my John hi. Madden kind of sounds like my Bill Cosby. Uh, that's exactly what I was just going to say. <sighs> Anyhow, what what else we got going on in technology news, Teresa? Well, the uh, big news from Apple. We, oh, so we always have to talk <laughs> about Apple story. Uh, Apple story. There's what, an Apple you know, story. Oh, what a surprise! Apparently, they uh, just they closed uh, the other day as the most valuable company in the world. Oh, love Exxon Mobil. Yeah, well, it it's, out. It's them actually in the U.S. Um, but yes, uh, for for market capitalization. They are pound for pound and share for share worth the most money of any corporation in the United States. Uh, no, this article does say the world. Oh, oh man. I think it that's It does wrong. say the world. I, again, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. But That's true, but there are knockoff Chinese Apple stores that are like but if know, I if I can't But if I can't replicas. believe everything on the internet, what? What? <laughs> what do I have for... Really? You've got what can I, I fall back on? What do you mean on? you can't believe everything you see on the internet? You've got, well... <laughs> Not everything, you know, it, it is made by humans. Usually. I saw a dog that was as big as a house. Tell me that's not true. Go ahead. Tell me it. You can't. Uh, I will true. I will tell you it's not true. Here I am exploding your myths. What? Oh, no. I went to Snopes.com and I said it was true. No. no oh. Not, oh. not true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, actually going along with Apple, that uh, I saw the other day that Nintendo is facing pressure from their investors to start designing games for the iPhone. What? Yeah. Oh. 
Because really? the, the Nintendo 3DS, which came out, uh, I think it was about six months ago, did not sell very well at all. Well, have you guys tried it? I mean, seriously? I have, no, I, have I not haven't. tried it. What did you think and we, of should, it? we should clarify. The, the 3DS is their new portable gaming platform, but it allows you to, without glasses, see 3D things on their little screen. Right. And that's, that's the issue. I mean, I, I don't have one, but I have a friend who has one, and I tried it. Now, albeit the, the 3D effect is kind of cool, mm-hmm. but seriously, you have to have it in one plane of vision, and you have to have it basically locked in one... You know, like, you can't move it around. You can't be on a bus and like, well, I'm over here, now I'm over here. It has to be, like, in one area otherwise it just doesn't look right it doesn't look 3d and you get the kind of headaches and here's another thing i don't understand a lot of the games require you to like shake the thing or like move it back and forth or like speak into the mic or something so then all of a sudden you know oh you had this wonderful 3d and then it's like no shake it to the right oh it's gone it's gone it's gone so it's like yeah i i can understand why it probably isn't selling as well but the nintendo ds Mm -hmm. however is one of the best um like portable uh, gaming console to sell uh, selling of all time. Yeah. It's, it's sold so many copies. And, so. the, and the DS was kind of cool for a couple of reasons. Well, DS stands for dual screen because it actually has two screens on it. Mm-hmm. And, and one also of them double was... snake. <laughs> double snake. <laughs> and it's also a touch screen too. Uh, one of the screens is a touch screen which it added a, a new level of interactivity before mm-hmm. the iPads and iPods were really big and that was that was the way to do it. And it has a mic you can yell into and that yeah. kind of stuff. And, and I also read something uh, recently that there's a, a company who's coming out with a 17 inch 3D capable laptop. Ooh. But oh. let me tell you, there are some interesting warnings that come along with that laptop. And, oh boy. It, you know, things like you might be ill, the, <laughs> the whole, if you have epilepsy and seizures and all that sort of stuff that you should be very wary about what you do with that. And uh-huh. mm-hmm. I'm guessing that that's going to become more and more prevalent because I know a lot of people who have tried the 3D TVs mm-hmm. and the movies, the IMAX movies. Mm-hmm. It, it does not sit well with your stomach sometimes. It, yeah. it depends on the person. And I'm, al- mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also reminded of, and this might date me a bit, but when the Virtual Boy came out, mm-hmm. they were saying that children like seven and under should not play the Virtual Boy yeah. because it would completely destroy their depth perception for the rest of their life. Yeah, I think there was something about children under a certain age yeah. should not use the 3D feature. I think feature. that's still the case now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of crazy. Another so. another technology related kind of 3D movie kind of thing that mm-hmm. I, I read lately. Sure. Um, they were it was actually uh, done by Roger Ebert, and he was um, wait is he is it's Ebert is not the one that's that's dead, right? No, that was, Siskel. Siskel. that was Siskel. That was Siskel. Ebert's okay. still around, but he can't talk anymore because he had some oh, surgery okay. and some cancer. And that's why he's doing all these blog posts. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Okay, so he did this post about 3D movies and the, the trend of 3D movies, and he actually took a look and he talked to a projectionist about these digital projections these digital you know yeah things. they really like the digital projection because it's very crisp and clean and bright mm-hmm. however mm-hmm. the 3d versions are very 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 dark in some cases almost 40 percent darker oh, on, sure. on a Whoa. 3d movie than it is on a 2d movie so if you're watching a dark movie like if you go and watch Harry Potter you know seven version two and you haven't seen it yet even mm-hmm. though you know it's been out forever you might miss the little, I don't know, tufts of skin on Voldemort's back because it's too dark. I, you know, yeah. just some some little things here and there. And 
yeah, it's it's just disappointing because so many movies are dark nowadays because it gives that cool atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But he, to make it too dark. Yeah. Well, and partially that has to do with if you're watching a 3D movie and you've got those glasses, only one eye is exposed at any given time. So yeah. automatically you've got less light coming into your brain than you would or otherwise. Give me more light to my brain. Well, those movies give me a headache. Well, when I went to see Avatar, it gave me a headache. Yeah. Avatar, just, after I that, I've tried avoiding 3D movies just because I didn't feel like it added much. I just uh, adjusted to it and didn't really think much of it. Yeah. Avatar was the one 3D movie that I saw out of all the 3D movies that I've seen that just made me go like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> hey, so there was a anniversary recently and getting away from Apple. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's Congratulations, Adam. How, mm-hmm. how many years? <laughs> Oh. No, that's that's coming up in the future oh, okay. in October. Okay. But um, the IBM PC celebrated its 30th anniversary not too long ago. What? Yeah, I saw that. IBM? The, yes. The original IBM PC weighed about 526 pounds, was made out of solid steel. So very portable. No. You know, very good. <laughs> you could slip it in a backpack. The, the, the original one that had one or two floppy drives, no hard drives, but it really was <laughs> the first mass-produced, mass-consumed PC. It, 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 it spawned the term PC for personal computer, mm-hmm. which then became synonymous with a computer that's Intel-based and that runs a Microsoft operating system. Mm-hmm. At the time, that was DOS. Everybody mm-hmm. remember DOS? No. Yeah, I know. I, I remember DOS. <laughs> so, Come on, please. My first computer was a Tandy 1000. It ooh. ran off of DOS like crazy. So, I programmed in BASIC. So we have to, I, I got think, cred. give some props to... <laughs> to IBM for having come out with with all of that good stuff yeah. so long thank you ago. IBM yeah congratulations yes. minor oh yeah there we go there, okay. there are props they're very excited about DOS <laughs> hey if you want to see some of my basic programs later I will load that up out of, off of my five and a quarter floppy disks that I've still got and, and those weren't high density floppies those were just double no, density floppies that's right but so. you didn't need much space for a basic basic program no and and i was reading some stuff and, and i was surprised to find out that originally it didn't come with dos in the box the only thing it came with was basic you mean you had to buy dos you had to buy oh, dos separately gosh. Uh, oh so, my gosh and for all of our listeners who may not have been using computers 30 years ago or 25 years ago when this was still in its heyday you youngins <laughs> only text yeah. There, there were no graphics. Yeah, it was about all that. text-based. Right. You ever, when you were in middle school, did you ever pick up a choose-your-own-adventure book? That was all you could make in basic. That's it. Uh, well, I mean, unless you wanted to use like the box drawing graphics, which were pretty wow. rudimentary and, yeah. and not so great. I did, I did get my like masters in ASCII art from, uh, from playing in basic, you know, make like a smiley face when you won the game and, and that kind of stuff. You so. want to explain to the folks at home? Uh, ASCII art. Well, okay, it's like smileys. You ever make a smiley on your computer? Well, think about that, but make it like full screen. So use uh, O's for the eyes, you know, of the smiley face and, and encircle it with like, you know, eyes and Q's for the mouth and yeah. you know, just make a picture with text. Yeah, and, and that was probably one of the most interesting variations. And ASCII is um, the American standard character or something or something. Interface. I believe it's A-S-C-I-I. Uh, that's correct. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. A-S-C-I-I. It's essentially all of the keys on the keyboard and, and every permutation that's available. And ASCII art was basically trying to represent pictures with just letters and characters mm-hmm. and exclamation points and symbols. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a famous example. 
Well, there it's actually uh, you know within some small subgroups. It's still popular today. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. actually take a picture. Uh, there's if you just search ASCII art picture on Google, you can probably upload. Uh, I know of a few sites where you can upload one of your personal pictures and it'll turn it into ASCII art. Uh, and then you can send it in like a instant messenger window, and people will be like, "Oh my God, how'd you do that? That's so cool!" <laughs> <laughs> you can so in- impress your grandma out there, everyone, by doing ASCII art. Especially if she was a programmer back in the she day. She will not know how you did it unless she was a programmer back in the day. <laughs> yeah. If you want to talk technology, give us a call right now six zero eight five one five eight seven six eight. That number again is six zero eight five one five eight seven six eight. You can also hit us up on email radio at doit.wis.edu. That's radio at doit doit dot wisc dot edu. And we're going to be talking with some folks about sports and technology. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! There goes Ty again. It, and Ty's going to get his man screams out as much as he can. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. Drop top with the ribbon, crib for my mom. 
I'm on the outskirts of Philly. You trying to flex on me? Don't be silly. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. And welcome back to Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. And we're here talking with Kevin Clunder about technology and athletics and all of the neat stuff that happens during your sporting events. So, Kevin, thanks so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, you're with the uh, communications department? Marketing? Uh, the marketing and promotions office yeah. in the athletic department. And so you have a lot to do with the stuff that goes up on the scoreboard and uh, all of the other electronic things that go on at the, at the game? Yeah, yeah. We oversee uh, in the marketing promotions office, we oversee all the uh, scoreboards, video boards, um, the music, uh, PA announcements, work in coordinating the event with the band and, and those types of things. So, yeah, that's uh, – those are all run out of our office. So that scoreboard is, is pretty pretty big, pretty impressive. Yeah. What yeah. kind of, I mean, like, what, what's the back end of that? What do you do to, is it just run off of a Windows machine, or what exactly runs that kind of thing? The scoreboards, uh, the video boards in the Cole Center and the stadium went in in 2005. Um, we have a full control room in the Cole Center that services both Cole Center events and the stadium. Um, we have three cameras that we own and operate. We have a computer that runs our replays and sends the content to the boards. Um, that's called a click effects machine. Um, and then we have two replay computers that you know capture the live feeds, and we have operators who capture the video for the replays that you see on the boards as well out of the um, out of the coal center. That's all around the coal center. We so, have- so when you do football events and you have replays and all the stuff that flashes up on the board, there's not people actually at Camp Randall. You have people at the Cole Center who do this. That's correct. Myself oh. myself, and two uh, individuals are at the stadium. The people that are at the stadium are operating what I would term the message boards, the, the board on the left if you've been to the stadium on, mm-hmm. on the main board with the, the, te- the it's just text messages primarily, as well as the what I'll call the ribbon ribbon board, the little ribbon board on the bottom of the scoreboard. Oh, yeah, Those yeah. are operated out of the stadium. The video board on the right side and, and the two on the south end are all operated out of the Cole Center. Uh, there's, mm. a, there's a staff, like I mentioned, there's two people plus myself at the stadium, and that's about a staff of uh, six to eight people that work at the Cole Center. That's, game days. that's a lot of people. So you have people mm-hmm. who deal with the audio, who do the music, who 
do the replays themselves, pick out what replays are going to go and stuff like that? That's correct. At the Cole Center, we have a director who is, you know, what you would expect, someone who's kind of called, they take direction um, from myself and my staff in terms of what we want to see. And then they're calling mm-hmm. out the specific instructions to the board operator who's actually pressing the buttons. We have two replay operators who, as I mentioned, are working on those computers, gathering the footage. We have another person who runs the click effects machine, which is actually sending some of that video content to the boards. We have one person who, who monitors out-of-town scores to keep the scoreboard updated. Another person who's monitoring stats in the game. You know, uh, uh, Monty Ball has 100 yards rushing or, or whatever it may be, those types of stats. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that's the Cole Center function uh, operation. At the stadium, we have an, uh, two audio engineers. There's an audio room at the stadium as well as at the Cole Center for Cole Center events. They're mixing the audio and so forth. We have a, a computer in um, where I'm located that plays some of the music, some of the you know music we play before third downs perhaps or music at TV timeouts. That's, that's run um, in the room where I am at. Do you guys have like a Coal Center Pandora station that you just <laughs> kind of grab the music from, we, or what it's, do you do it's exactly? Definitely, it's definitely evolving. There's no question. Um, we have a, a program that we use. It's called um, Sound Director. It was actually developed by the Portland Trailblazers, who, of course, are owned by Paul Allen. Um, there's there's a couple different uh, programs out there that professional uh, teams use for playing back music. Um, we happen to use this Sound Director program, um, which helps us not only – and obviously just play the music, but it keeps a log of, of what we've played so oh. we can kind of review that from time to time. And if we've played a certain song game after game after game or so forth, we may want well, to give that song a break for a couple of games just so we try to keep it fresh, uh, keep it keep it entertaining for the fans. That's way more involved than just the <laughs> iPad that we have here yeah. to do all of our we are our not We are not above using an iPad <laughs> or uh, something like that in a pinch if we have to. We've had uh, done that before, but... Uh, this program we use for a number of years, and it just works out really well for us. Mm-hmm. So, with the um, since you have folks running the show from the Cole Center, uh, when you have games at Camp Randall, uh, what do you do about communicating with those folks um, when you need to about things that happen unexpectedly during the game, or um, just something that they, with with their eyes and ears being cameras, that they can't detect? Right, they are actually watching the the video board that's in the Cole Center, the main center hung board mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. The program feed, um, so the people who are operating those computers oh. are literally. If you've you know seen the call center, there's that big window in front of the uh, control room. They're literally looking out the window, hmm. watching the program feed. That's their kind of their visual cue. Of course, they definitely rely on myself to help communicate everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everybody's on headsets, presumably. Everyone, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, everyone's on headset. Um, I'm on a headset with both the the two people I mentioned that work at the stadium plus. Uh, I'm in communication with the producer. The okay. producer actually has two channels on his headset talking to myself, and then he's also talking directly to the camera people uh, as well to give them direction and communication, not only for game-specific, you know, shooting the game, but when we do things at timeout, say introduce a team or an individual mm-hmm. or something, coordinate to make sure those, those go off smoothly. So okay. having these new scoreboards that you installed not that long ago, adds a lot of visual appeal and interesting stuff. And, and you can do interesting things with contests and promotions and, and generally things to keep the audience entertained when there may not be gameplay action going on. Right. We spent a lot of time uh, working on that, those types of things. Um, we've tried to introduce some new things uh, to keep fans 
engaged and entertained. I think that's one of the one of the biggest trends that have evolved um, in the last five to seven years. You know, some examples of things that we've tried recently. Uh, last year, we started it and we're going to do it again. We worked with a, a company who gave us the software and technology to facilitate fans taking photos of themselves during the game, you know, before the game, and, and mm-hmm. the things they do on game day. And we can gather those photos, review them, and send essentially a slideshow to the video board that we play. You know, we encourage oh. people to uh, you know send us their photos of their tailgate party, of them in the stands with their friends, their mm-hmm. their family, and so forth. That's been a really popular feature. And then after the game, we encourage fans to go to website and vote what's their favorite picture, and people can win prizes and so forth. That's been really popular for us. It, it gives us a way to visually show you know fans having a, a good time, and and we've been really pleased with that. Um, another example to your question, we have had great success with asking fans to vote on a particular song they want heard. Or we call it Badger Jukebox. Oh. And so we'll put up three song choices. And sometimes we'll try to have a theme. Uh, you know, it's maybe 70s music or 90s music or, or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's just three random songs. We'll ask fans to vote, you know, what song do they want to hear. And then we play it. Uh, later in the game, and we've had really good success with, again, fans kind of interacting, controlling their own experience. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most uh, like complicated piece of technology that you use during any of this, during the game or anything like that? Would it be the cameras? Would it be the the graphics board? Or I'm, I'm betting the replay is probably a pretty intensive thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, complicated. The replay, I wouldn't say it's complicated, but there's certainly a timing issue we have to be aware of the reason I you know it just seems like you guys do it so smoothly you know it almost looks like it's, it's well, effortless but well, I bet it's you know well we, I appreciate that first <laughs> of all and if you were to perhaps uh, mic our internal communication uh, sometimes <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little chaotic to um, to deliver the product that you see in the stadium but there is a there is a timing issue particularly replays is a good example because you know we do want to try to show every replay sometimes in the, you know multiple angles if we can to give fans a good uh, feel for what just happened. Uh, but we need to be on top of everything so we can get that replay in and be back to live action. We don't want to, you know, step on the live action um, and that type of thing. So not necessarily complicated from a from a technology standpoint, but just working on that timing, uh, make sure you have a good uh, routine in place so we get the replay in, get back to the live shot, and, and keep the, keep a good flow going. Well, before we go much farther here, I think we have to read our disclaimers because we That's do true. have three disclaimers. And we oh, do. Ty's got the storybook open. Will you, will you go for it, Ty? Should I read it like a storybook? <laughs> sure, why not? Well, children, the three disclaimers are this. Number one, the opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Number two, <laughs> products and services provided by the Division of Information Technology, a.k.a. Do It and other university departments, as well as drawings and giveaways, may only be available to students, faculty, <laughs> staff, or those currently affiliated with UW-Madison. Sorry. Number three. Uh. Participants of this broadcast may offer opinions or recommendations. However, they do not endorse, nor has any consideration been provided on behalf of the products and services discussed. I'm sorry, everybody. That's It's Ty's sort of... Now grab your little nap. <laughs> Rugs and we'll have nap time. It's school teacher slash genuine announcer, <laughs> Ty Christian, right here on Do It Live. We'll be right back with more and act. At, we'll be back with more and. Ah. 
Billy, put down those toys. <laughs> Don't make me ask again. We'll be back and talk a little bit more about all of the technology that you use in athletics right here with Kevin Clunder and Teresa and Ty and me, Adam. Sports! Right here on Do It Live. And welcome back to Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. We're here talking about athletics with Kevin Clunder and all of the technology that surrounds all that good stuff right there. So are you guys delving into social media? Do you have any apps going on or anything like that? We are. We, uh, we, we try to be very active in social media. Um, we have just gone over 315,000 um, likes or, or fans on our Facebook page, which oh, wow. uh, we've been very pleased with. That's um, a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> we actually start. Uh, if you talk Facebook for a second, um, we started our Facebook page just a Wisconsin Badgers Facebook, a single Facebook to represent the entire athletic department. Mm-hmm. Um, and last about a year ago, we branched out and have now specific Facebook pages in addition to our main page, a specific Facebook page for each of our sports. As we've learned. There are plenty of people who are maybe only interested in one or two sports, and while certainly we, you know, we hope they're interested in anything Wisconsin athletics, we realize that some people have specific interests. They might be only interested in volleyball or only interested in football or hockey mm-hmm. or what have you. So having those separate channels gives them an outlet to just get the news that they want, which I think is, is you know, social media is very um, personal and individual to, to many people and many users. So we're trying to provide that unique experience to them. I think one of the things with social media just as a general philosophy that we're kind of evolving in which I think initially we were very concerned about, you know, let's build up the the mass, the, the followers, the likes, and that's still important, but it's not the end all be all as you probably know it. We need to continue to work to engage folks better and take the people who are following us and give them a better experience, uh, do more engaging things. For example, you, you may be familiar with, the uh, Ask the Badger segments that we do mm-hmm. on our video board in which we have fans ask a, a, a question and then the players answer that question and hopefully it's it's entertaining and humorous. We did a, uh, a request from fans. Uh, we actually recorded the questions recently and we, and we put on Facebook. We asked fans, you know, do you have any questions? And we had over 100 responses in, in less than an hour, which was great. Um, and we used many of those questions and I, you know, those are the types of things I like when it comes to social media, giving fans a chance to, you know, come connect with the program a little better. We are working to improve our Facebook page to give people the opportunity to do even more interaction. We're working with our ticket provider, our ticket software provider, to allow people to buy tickets from our Facebook page if they so choose. We're working to bring some what I would call polls and interactive things where, for example, one of the questions we're going to put up here pretty quick is, ask people to say, who are, the, who are the top three running backs in Wisconsin football history? And people can pick from a menu of some of the former Badgers who have played running back, and that answer can be posted on their Facebook page. You know, I think it's Ron Dane, or I think it's, it's Anthony D, or whoever it may be, Alan Amici. Um, and they can post it on their Facebook page, and, you know, maybe that creates debate amongst their circle of friends, and certainly that's good for us to have that presence on their, their wall or their individual page as well. So, um We've had a good start with Facebook since we started about two or three years ago. We definitely are looking to continue to improve and give people a better experience on Facebook. 
That's great. It seems like the, the trend is going for having a genuine but personalized experience. So with being able to engage on Facebook and also in the stadium, it's like that game was really for you. The way that you get to hear the songs that you wanted to hear and things like that. That's really great. Now with the... Uh you know, with all the social media and all the online video available, the, I guess, ESPN, you know, you can see Badger games on ESPN for a lot of different things. Do you think that's, do you think that's, that's, uh, like, helped ticket sales or hurt ticket sales? Or, you know, what do you feel about that, having more connectivity, more personal video options available? Like, I can, I can, you know, I can watch this game on my laptop instead of going to the stands. I mean, is... I think, I think any, the exposure is terrific. The ability for fans to capture, watch, follow the games as they want to follow the games is a win for us. Um, I do think that the experience of going to the stadium is unique and is never going to be replicated by watching it on a phone or your TV or, or your, your iPad or tablet mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, but I think to answer your question, I think the exposure opportunities that are evolving are terrific. In fact, the, the Big Ten Network uh, is launching this fall uh, an application. You were talking about apps before. Mm-hmm. Um, an application called btn to go um, which is the ability to download this application and, and you can, if you verify your, your cable subscription, your DirecTV subscription or what have you, you'll be able to watch the Big Ten Network live on your on your tablet on your phone which would be a tremendous opportunity not only for people in the state but nationally internationally to follow the badgers watch games watch content um news and other features that the big 10 network produces about the badgers and the big 10 in general Mm -hmm. um and i think that's a that's a very progressive stance that the that the network has taken and the conference has taken and that's gonna i think pay dividends uh for us that's awesome if you could pick you know, one thing that you would do technology-wise to either maybe expand um, uh, ex- expand interest in the games or maybe even to help the players or, or something like that, what, what would that be? Like, well, what's, the, what's the biggest technology that you see, you know, ex- expanding interest in, in Badger sports other than social media, I guess, since we already talked um, about that? Well, not, uh, one, one thing I thought that was pretty interesting, I, I was at a recent... Um, conference this over the summer and a piece of technology that's definitely intriguing to me is a technology that measures movement in the stands so it's a the cameras are installed in the arena and like say in the pregame as people are entering the arena it measures if you will like a baseline movement like physical movement Mm -hmm. sort of like for earthquakes and and what <laughs> yes during, during jump around yes. that thing would be off the charts oh, yeah. probably oh. oh yeah so it measures a baseline movement again before the game as people are filing in and then what it allows you to do is you know I think if you've gone to the games Badger games or you know any games um, you know typically there's always kind of a race let's say section A versus section B and it's and typically that's just pre-selected. There's an animation where A wins, there's an animation where B wins, and today B is going to win, and it plays, and, and that's what happens. This technology allows fans in those sections to move, wave your arms, jump up and down. It measures the increase in movement and consequently will make your car or whatever's racing across the screen go faster. Oh, that's based cool. On, based on, <laughs> on the movement. Now – 
the technology I saw, I would say it's still in development per se, but it's something I'm definitely keeping my eye on. I think it has a lot of applications, not only for, you know, races, like I mentioned, but you could have, um, you know, voting like in polls, like who's the player of the game and A, B, and C, and it, you can measure it based on movement. Or um, <laughs> so if you think player A is the best player, go into a spasm. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. So I think again, to, to we were talking about before of giving fans the ability to interact, and and of course, the 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 nature of people jumping up and down, waving their arms, making some noise. That creates a better atmosphere for us, which is something we're trying to do as well. So that's a that's a piece of technology I'm going to keep my eye on, and and, and maybe someday we, it, it ends up in some of our venues. But uh, very very interesting concept. So instead of just measuring raw sound level of you know people get loud for this or that, you can actually measure physical movement, which Correct. I and and it seems like what you're really trying to do is find more ways that you can get fans to engage and participate with the game and, and with all the activities surrounding the game. Absolutely, absolutely. We have, um, to your point about engaging with the game, even people who are not at the game, our communications office is very active in blogging or using a you know, cover it live technology and Twitter during the games to let people know what's going on. People can ask questions, interact, and they respond and, and get a conversation going during the game, mm-hmm. um, which is... Um, you know, for people who are not at the stadium or maybe they're unable to see on TV, a great way for people to follow. We've had great success with doing that. A lot of a lot of people take part in, in that, you know, even if they can't make it to the game. So, again, you know, as you asked earlier about just another vehicle for people to follow the Badgers. And, you know, maybe not everyone's a candidate for a season ticket, but if they follow the Badgers and are constantly engaged with them, when they do have an opportunity, maybe they come to one game because that's where they live and that's what they're able to do, and that's great. And if we can give them opportunities to stay connected with the Badgers, particularly particularly sports that maybe aren't on TV all the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's very important to us too where, you know, as I mentioned, some of these uh, Cover It Live blogs and Twitter and so forth, you know, you can our staff does it for, for all of our sports. And people who maybe followers are followers of the tennis team, obviously they're not on TV very often. But they have a vehicle to follow the team and to interact and learn about the team. And we're, as we say a lot, strengthening the bond with those fans. Okay. So I know the the game that's going to be against NIU down at Soldier Field, I got an email from the Alumni Association saying that that game won't actually have television coverage. Do you plan to use something Do you, like Twitter and Facebook to actually keep fans who aren't there updated on what's going on so they can essentially, you know, have a play-by-play but, you know, via text. That game's on ESPN3.com, which is, um, okay. you know, so it'll be available on the web, okay. um, I guess. Uh, but, yes, we will have our our full um, social media uh, activities going from uh, Facebook to Twitter. We'll have our cover at live blog on our website, uwbadgers.com. We'll have live stats on our website to follow that way. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, our radio network, both on your radio and also available through our website. So there are still ways to follow that game, mm-hmm. including, as I mentioned, ESPN3.com. So yeah, uh, we will have a number of different ways to let people follow that game. Uh, and hopefully people decide to just, to, uh, just uh, swing on down to Chicago and go to the game. I know there's a few, some few tickets available and you know, we're having a big tailgate party before the game, and mm-hmm. a lot of Badger fans, obviously, and alums in Chicago. So we're looking forward to a 
pretty unique event down there. So everybody get out your iPass and drive really fast down <laughs> oh, over yeah. road tolling. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my stepdad's a, a Husky, so that that's going to be an interesting to oh, go oh to my. that game with him. And uh, he said he's looking forward to our his team defeating ours, and I, ah. I just I don't know that that's going to happen. <laughs> do you have yeah. trouble policing the? Do you have trouble policing the uh, like the, the the Facebook page? Is there a lot of negative comments? And you have to get get rid of those right away. Like I'm, uh, when you're saying you had video feedbacks, you ever have some guy you know like dressed up in full body paint like you. Your team sucks. Well, you know, <laughs> <Something like that. laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's you know, people get really, really emotional about these games. It's uh, that's a interesting area that we've had to work on and evolve. Uh, you know, I think the nature of social media is that just kind of natural conversation, and of course, there's going to be some people who have uh, negative commentary toward a game or a team or perhaps a a player or coach. We don't tolerate. Vulgarity. We don't tolerate personal attacks on student athletes or coaches. But if people are just sharing their opinion beyond that, we've come to allow that. If it's not vulgar, if it's not a, a specific personal attack on an individual player, you know, we'll allow that. And sometimes we'll interact. And you know, if someone is perhaps uh, leveling a criticism that's that's based in incorrect information, we may. Uh, jump in on the Facebook or Twitter and so forth and and state what we believe is to be the correct information and, and at least get that interaction out there. I think the other thing that's interesting I've noticed a lot, particularly on Facebook, is if someone does you know, offer a criticism, it's encouraging to me, but also kind of neat to see plenty of other fans will jump in on our behalf even before we have a <laughs> chance to and, and say, you know, that's not correct or that's, you shouldn't be criticizing or whatever it may be. So I have noticed a lot of uh, self-policing um, by our other fans in the community, so to speak. But, yeah, it's definitely something that we've had to work through um, and kind of come to terms with a little bit. Because I think if you're going to if you're gonna play in the social media world, you have to be prepared for, for some of that. And uh, you need to have a – I think like I said, I think we have a good policy, which, you know, there's some things we just, you know, won't tolerate. But – um, I think we still give people enough freedom to to share their opinions and, and and go forward like that. Is there some technology that you find the athletes are really encouraged or enthused about and and really like or or are clamoring to get? I guess you'd probably have to ask them. I know um, plenty of our athletes are you know using Twitter and and, and involved in their own social media, um, which is great. And I think I'm I'm really pleased that. Most of our coaching staff, if not all of them, seem to have the attitude of allowing them to use it. There's some there's some coaches in the country who are telling their teams they're banned from Twitter, they're banned from Facebook, uh, mm. and those types of things. It seems to me our coaches are taking the tact of, you know, be responsible with it. Certainly, you, know, you put a message on Twitter, it can spread quickly, but I think it can be used as a educational tool for, for student-athletes is – you know, like talking to the media, they talk to the media, they talk to reporters and so forth, both locally and nationally and so forth. Twitter, in many cases, the same type of tool. And I think putting them in a situation where they can use Twitter, but know that, you know, you're responsible for what you say and you need mm-hmm. to be careful with what you say. And people are watching it, not only other media, but other fans. I think that's a great teaching moment for student athletes and it's a great way for again for our fans to connect with our student athletes i've seen a lot of our student athletes probably most recently uh comes to mind you know jj watt is 
quite frankly, outstanding at Twitter. Great at interacting with fans. Um, and now, of course, he's moved on with the Houston Texans and continues to do a great job with his social media and, and, and building his fans and followers. So um, I, I think it's a it can be a great opportunity for coaches and student-athletes to, again, you know, engage with fans on a, on a personal level and show them that they're real people. And, you know, many of our, our student-athletes do a great job with it. So, I mean, that's got to be an interesting thing to balance, though, them being students but also being athletes. So they have these, these personal lives and some of them are, you know, they're so young starting out. I mean, have they, have they run into any problems with it? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you, if your department works with them to, um, you know, like Twitter etiquette, I guess, or just if they run into a snag, how do they respond to it? Our communication staff each year has media training for our student athletes and these types of things are, are covered with them about, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know for certain, but I, I don't think there's any hard and fast rules other than be smart about it. And again, we do some training, talk about you know what's appropriate and 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 how you can use it in a positive manner. And mm-hmm. I think our student athletes and coaches have responded well, and it is a, a positive tool for them and by nature, like you know, for us as well as the athletic department. Don't post any pictures like Brett Favre would. <laughs> I think is the rule of thumb, right? No. <laughs> no Brett Favre nope. fail. No. no. Okay. So I saw uh, on the recent poster you guys had added a QR code. Yeah, maybe uh-huh. we, sh- we should uh, probably tell our listeners what a QR code is. It's uh, those fancy barcodes that are usually square. They have black and white squares within them. And what they do is if you have a smartphone or an iPod Touch that's got a camera in it or some other neat device like that that's internet connected, it actually takes you to a particular web page or a video or something like that without having to type in an address. Kind of looks like an Atari video game like exploded on a poster. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. You're, you're trying to figure out what is that? What is is that this supposed thing? to be a picture or something? Yeah, so what's going on with the uh, QR codes? We're experimenting with QR codes on our football posters here. I appreciate you noticing. Um, we have a QR code on our poster and we uh, have different videos that we're going to link to that QR code. So uh, as you mentioned, you'll scan the QR code with your mobile device and it will link to a video. We'll have maybe some highlight videos week to week. Uh, as we get into the season, we'll have some video uh, game previews perhaps, you know, previewing this week's opponent with, um, you know, Matt LaPay and Mike Lucas who call our um, games on the radio, maybe some interviews with Coach Bielema and some players. So we're going to uh, experiment with that on our football poster, and it's a, a new way for us to, to try to get out some content, and um, we're optimistic that it's going to be it's going to be popular for us. Did you have much success with it? Was it uh, fairly popular with the poster so far? Or? It has been fairly popular with the poster. Actually, our very first attempt with QR codes was at last uh, April's spring football game. Mm. Uh, we didn't print game programs uh, for the spring game in part because the – the roster was kind of in flux right up to the game. So um, we made a game program available on QR codes, and we put hmm. the QR codes up at all the concession stands, and um, we had fans scan the QR code so they get the roster and they could see who's on the red team, who's on the white team. And we had good success with that. Um, several hundred people, you know, scanned in the program, and and uh, we had some, you know, editorial content about the team and about the spring, so that was positive. And I think – uh, with the post, you know, having video that's a little more um, easily digestible, I guess, than reading a bunch of stuff. Um, I, I'm optimistic that's going to be uh, even more well-received by our fans. Um, and, you know, if uh, 
fancy and the like, it will probably continue doing that kind of stuff. Do you do a lot of video work, like amongst your publications and stuff online? And we have our a great video staff who, um, you know, is taxed pretty, pretty, pretty hard, and, and uh, they do a great job. We're um, we we do produce a lot of video, and uh, we redesigned our website um, earlier this summer, and. In doing the focus groups uh, to prepare for that redesign, I got a lot of feedback of you know on video content. Um, you know that's that seems to be one of the top requests from fans is give us video content, whether that's long form, you know a ten or fifteen minute interview with a coach or a player to just a quick you know one minute like highlight tape or whatever it may be. So um, we're doing a lot of video. In fact. Um, uh, in conjunction with fall football camp, doing a weekly kind of behind the scenes, uh, loosely, I'll loosely term it kind of hard knocks light uh, version of our fall camp where we go inside the team, sit in on some team meetings, you know, see some storylines develop as, you know, freshmen come on camp or come on to the team and, and uh, get acclimated to, to Division One football. Some players coming back from injury or fighting injury. Really neat inside look at the team and how they're preparing are highly prepared for the season, and uh, so yeah, we have uh, a lot of a lot of good video content, a lot of good talented people that are putting on some pretty neat video um, pieces. That's nice, and and I know you do a lot of pre-produced video, and that gets incorporated as part of the games, and that's part of the the stuff that goes up on the scoreboard and helps with the fluidity of everything. Too. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. We've had some good success with you know just putting some some highlights to music to getting out on campus a little bit and. Um, and shooting some things, so uh, it's a very important part of, of what we do on a daily basis. I think we've invested in equipment and people as best we can to to continue to kind of feed the beast, so to speak, because um, there is a lot of demand for a lot of those video pieces. You know, with all the editing, the, all the vi- or all the video that you're shooting, you know, I'm telling you, a little skillful editing. Maybe ask one or two of the players to start a few fights. You could have your own reality show. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, when you when you mentioned going to the camps and stuff, that was what I thought of. Yeah, this is almost this is almost borderline. Hi, I'm Todd, TV. and I don't like Phil. I think he's a <laughs> bad player. <laughs> nice. Oh. Anyhow, uh, Kevin, are, you know, you mentioned the the Facebook, the Twitter, your website. Is there any other ways that you get in touch with your fans and keep them up to date to what's going on? We have. Uh, Last December, we launched a weekly digital magazine called Varsity, and uh, we're picking it back up again on a weekly basis uh, here as the as the fall begins. It uh, ranges from you know twenty to thirty pages of not only written content, but you know we talked before a lot of video content embedded into this digital magazine. Uh, it's available for free. It's emailed right to your inbox. You can go to uwbadgers.com and and sign up. There's a link right on the homepage. Um, and it really covers everything Wisconsin athletics. We have great photography each week, not only of, of the football and the basketballs, but a lot of uh, stories and content of all of our teams and uh, a lot of video content, um, some of our weekly features, some uh, coach interviews, just everything Wisconsin athletics. And we think it's a great service to our fans. One of the nice things about the program that we use to distribute this is on the back end, we can look at some statistics to see what people are reading and how much time do they spend on a specific page. Kind of helps us tailor the content and future issues to to be able to provide content that people want. If we see that they're spending more time on a, on a Q&A with a student athlete 
as opposed to maybe a longer form feature piece or whatever it may be, we can kind of tailor the content to give people what they're looking for. So I think it's a great way to keep in touch with, you know, not only um, say football or basketball, but all of our teams, uh, a lot of great information there. A lot of, you know, feature stories, uh, Mike Lucas, uh, who for many years have uh, written for the Capital Times. He has 40 years of experience covering the Badgers. He now uh, works for us and, and has a great uh, historical uh, view of our athletics and kind of can bring that into into the present day as he, hmm. as he talks and writes about uh, our student athletes and teams. Excellent. And again, everybody, that website is uwbadgers.com to go and see everything UW Athletics and all the sports and everything's right up there and easy to get to and you can buy tickets and all that good stuff, right? Yeah, you can buy tickets. Everything's right there. Uh, like I said, we redesigned your site. We're looking, you know, if anyone has any good feedback for us as they visit the site, uh, certainly that'd be appreciated. But uh, yeah, uwbadgers.com. Excellent. Kevin Clunder, thanks so much for coming in and chatting with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's all the time we have today for Do It Live. We'd like to give special thanks to our management team at the Division of Information Technology, Perry Brunelli, Ryan Hansen, Edward Hoover, Brian Kister, Ty Leto, Neil Mack, Mark Nessel, Brian Rust, and Bill Zimmerman. The Director of User Services is Kathy O'Brien. Do Its Chief Operating Officer is John Krogman. And our CIO and Vice Provost for Information Technology is Bruce Moss. Today's broadcast was produced by Ty Christian, Sandy Cyberlick, and Adam Wiesenfarth. Our associate producers are Laura Grady, Teresa Saldana, and Nathan Cohen. With assistance from Dan Collins, Syria, Matthew Syria, and the Nates, Harrison Weber, and Zastro. Our on-air producer and director of e-communications is Matt Rockwell, and our theme music is from Conan. The executive producer of Do It Live is Jesse LeGrew. Join us next Thursday at 2 p.m. right here on 91.7 FM WSUM. We're going to be talking about library technology and copyright, all of the new stuff going on with Google and all of their innovations that are going on with library technology. We'll see you then. Have a good week. Make me